0: This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson.
2: Welcome to the Liberty Hour. I am, again, just like last week, not Sean Thompson. At least you're
1: consistent in that
2: way. <laughs> there you go. If nothing else, <laughs> I am consistent. Except that one week I'm going to come in, and I just might be Sean. Well, welcome. Well, it'll be the you Halloween have... week, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to put on not blackface. <laughs> uh-huh. Let that that's okay. How's that work? Uh, well, welcome The Waynes all. know how. You got to get their guy. I see. I didn't say whiteface. I say non, non-blackface. non It's different. It's oh. different. I, Somehow.
1: I, I wouldn't call that makeup whiteface. <laughs> At least not successful, Whitefish. Not successful.
2: Well, so here we are again. Big news week. A lot of things to cover, and we're going to get into that. uh, But when you have a great guest talking about important issues, you might have to put the the, the top news story on the back burner slightly. Um, I posted telling people to to listen to the show, and I talked about the alphabet soup of things we're going to be talking about. And um, RBG is obviously one of them. But first, I want to go back to my favorite topic. Well, I got two, don't I? Don't I usually talk? If I ask anybody who listen, what do I always talk about? They'll say, what? BLM, Blantifa and education, right? Yes. Yeah. And we're going to talk about both of them today because they're everywhere and they're hurting the country and we need people to stand up and uh, kind of uh, push back against the madness. And sometimes you got to go to the experts to find out what we should be doing and what's going on. So our first guest is Corey DeAngelis. He is the Director of School Choice at Reason Foundation and also an adjunct scholar at Cato Institute. He has authored or co-authored over 40 journal articles, book chapters, and reports on education policy. His work has also been featured at outlets such as USA Today, New York Post, The Hill, Washington Examiner, and many more. Corey, welcome to the Liberty Hour.
3: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
2: Well, it's great to have you here. Bring you in as the education expert to solve all the problems. So, number one on the list is reopening schools. I cannot believe I am still. I believe. Am I right? Maybe at the first show I did. We were talking about what's going to happen when the schools reopen, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, I think my kid's school had just made the call uh, right? to, to do remote, and we and yeah, so that was And I was uh, like,
2: Chicago. You know, they waited till the last minute. First week August. Right. And I was like, they did the bait and switch. See, New York didn't do that. But I I said, it's on record. I said, I don't trust them. They're going to change. So here in New York, they pushed three times. They said there was hybrid. They still saying hybrid, but they keep moving the day. And this has shocked the country. We still haven't started school yet as of today. So what is going on around the country as far as schools reopening, Corey?
3: I mean, it's the same thing uh, around the country, right? The schools aren't reopening for in-person instruction. Education Week is tracking these data around the country. Uh, for the largest school districts in the U.S., and three quarters of them are not reopening with any in-person instruction available to any students uh, at all. And I mean, this is an issue of incentives here, right? We have the private schools fighting to reopen or are reopening. We have private businesses have been fighting to reopen. Daycares are reopening, and then you have public schools fighting to remain closed. I think it's because one of these sectors gets their money regardless of their how well they serve their customers.
2: Yeah, that's a big difference, right? If you don't have to, if it doesn't hurt you not to be open, in fact, it kind of hurts you to open because then you got to get up and go to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't you push back? And, and you say that three quarters of them, and I guess New York was unique because, with the exception of Chicago's last minute change, Atlanta, DC, LA, all those people said up front, we're not going to open. New York is weird because you got a million students, so it's massive. And they're saying, we are committed to do hybrid. We're just never going to tell you when it's happening. So they're saying, not only have they delayed multiple times, but now they're talking about, I think it was yesterday or the day before de Blasio said, that he had to admit that he had a teacher shortage, and he just may not have the teachers to open even if he wanted to.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, this is like, like you said, like the third time that de Blasio has pushed back the start date. It was supposed to start tomorrow. That was the second time he said it was, you know, that he committed to a date it was tomorrow. And then now it's not happening for, you know, Thousands and thousands of students, and um, did, I think uh, De Blasio um, agreed to hire 4,500 new teachers. Mm-hmm. And a reporter asked asked De Blasio if that was kind of like the final number, that the, the the number that you settled on with the union. And De Blasio kind of answered in a roundabout fashion, uh, and and acted like it was the number that they settled on. But then the the union boss. Uh, chimed in in that uh, press conference and said, No, that's just for elementary schools. You know, once we start talking middle. In high schools, we're going to have to <laughs> argue again for more people to, to be put into the system, which benefits the unions, right? That means more union dues. That's and what they're power. saying. More
2: people on the <laughs> on the public sector dole. More people being paid from the taxes we can't pay because people are running out of the city. So it's just a, it's just going to be madness. But you know, New York isn't the whole world. Give us that. We were talking earlier, and you gave me some crazy information about what was going yeah. on in in Virginia. I think it's a school bus yeah. story. Everybody loves a good school bus oh, story. Oh
3: my god. <laughs> Oh, Fairfax County Public Schools has two weird things going on. One is, yes, they're not reopening the schools for in-person instruction for for their students, but they are paying bus drivers to drive the buses around town with empty students, without any students in the bus. So they're arguing it because, oh, well, you know, um, they they gotta stay sharp, they gotta keep their <laughs> their driving skills, um, you know, properly maintained, so that when oh. they do reopen the schools, they They'll be able to drive safely. But, I mean, it, it, look, it just, looks, it just goes to show you that this is more about protecting the jobs of adults rather than uh, properly educating students. They should be putting that money towards the students. And I would argue the money should follow the child to wherever they're getting an education right now, which Bingo. is the public school system. But uh, if, if that doesn't work, for, if, the, if the virtual learning doesn't work for a particular family, they should be able to take their children's education dollars to a private school or a pandemic pod or, or just uh, <laughs> to cover costs at home for homeschooling.
2: Yeah, bingo. Um, now, here's another itre- interesting thing. And I said this before when I talked about education, but it's good to hear it from somebody who studies this. So we this all stems from COVID, supposedly. Right. So we are concerned about the health of the students and the teacher. Let's assume I like to assume positive intent. I don't want to think these yahoos are going around just messing with our lives on purpose. So they really think that. So, maybe you can explain this to me. I need a smart guy. So, they're doing this because of health, because they don't want kids and the, and the and the adults to get sick. Yet, surprisingly, they haven't closed daycares. So, yeah. what? my question to you as a professional in education is, do daycares have children in them?
3: Yes, they do, but it's <laughs> no. not as dangerous because they're not learning anything, right? If they're not learning anything, it's... it's oh, the
2: education they, is the part that makes you sick, uh, not, that, not being close to each other.
3: Yeah, so that, that gets to another weird story that's going on around the United States. also in Fairf- Fairfax County Public Schools, but also in the Chicago area. Uh, some school districts are not reopening for in-person instruction. They're keeping the schools closed. But they're o- reopening the school buildings, elementary schools and some middle schools, as child care centers. And then they're charging mm-hmm. families out of pocket in, in this uh, district near Chicago, Park District. They're charging families $250 per child per week in addition to what the families are already paying through the property tax system. So it's a, essentially a form of extortion, and it does, go, it does yeah. make you wonder, well, why, why can you open the schools for child care? And day, but why can't you open them for the educational part? I've got one it's for just, you
1: that's debatably worse than that. My kid's hmm. school district is open for lunch and breakfast, but not for learning um and the yeah, taxpayers are paying for largest all largest of it because nobody pays for lunch or breakfast in the public schools here well
3: right I so you get to the, yeah
2: so you get to let me just get to so, show you I get could, to send yes. your kid to the school yes i could shuttle. Learn. no the
1: buses aren't running they might be paying them i don't doubt that <laughs> but, but they're not running they're not so, driving around but yeah i could conceivably take my kid to school to eat to, to eat and then and bring then her home, home and put her in front of her laptop yes Huh? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And then and then pop back out for lunch because who doesn't like a day trip? <laughs> wow. The, these yeah, things. I mean, are... Go ahead, Corey.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say really quick. It's, it's it's yeah, that's that's crazy, and the daycare thing is crazy that they're actually reopening the schools as daycares. And then I started thinking like, why why do they have to charge twice? Like, right, they already have the money to pay for this through the property tax system. But I started figuring out in some of these districts. Other people are coming in to watch the children in person. So they're hiring daycare workers Mm -hmm. to watch the children in person. And then uh, the Uh, teachers are still getting paid, obviously, Mm -hmm. but they're staying at home. So like you have one class of employees saying, I'm not going to come into the schools. Then you have another class of employees who are more than happy to come in. And then that's fine, right, If, if a school wants to structure that way. But the problem is the families are getting the short end of the stick, right? Now they're stuck paying two people instead of one.
2: Wow. I, I, I cannot believe that they haven't been buried with lawsuits at this point.
3: I mean, a lot of times well, it's because there, there people don't
2: some. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh,
3: there, there are some legal inquiries. Uh, uh, American Center for Law and Justice, ACLJ, they've gotten thousands of legal, legal inquiries over the schools not reopening, then also this daycare problem, um, you know, where they're charging families out of pocket. And I think uh, they've taken legal action in Gilbert County Public Schools in Arizona. So there's one example where they're arguing that this is unconstitutional because each state constitution uh, 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 requires states to provide uh, a system of public schools for free uh, for for families. Right. And they can't really say they're doing that if, one, they're not reopening the schools, but then, two, which is more obvious, that they're charging families out of pocket. Uh, Free means free. If you're charging families for the same uh, school building, that's uh, arguably unconstitutional everywhere you look.
2: Well, everyone, we're listening to, uh, to you talking with, I'm sorry, Corey DeAngelis, uh, Director of School Choice at Reason Foundation. We're going to get more into this and talk about some other issues that are going on with education on the other side. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer.
0: This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on A560, The Answer. Everybody knows that the days are loaded.
2: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here talking to Corey DeAndalus, director of school choice at Reason Foundation. And uh, when we left, Corey, you were talking about uh, I asked about lawsuits. You said Arizona was one where they challenged uh, what was going on saying, talked about constitutionality and saying that we have a constitutional obligation to provide free education. See, there's a lot of things that 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 funny little constitution says, whether you agree with it or not, that we're supposed to be following. And I'm going to get to another one of those things that uh, uh, puts us in a precarious position. But what made me what the first thing that I thought about when you said that was so we have a constitutional obligation to provide health uh, education. Did you hear this one? I'm sure you did. There's a New York student, for all of you who aren't Corey, who probably doesn't follow everything that's going on, and uh, this student said that Remote learning was not fair. It doesn't help him, and he's not learning. So he defied it and said he's going to school. So he showed up to school. I think they were doing hybrid, and it wasn't his day. So he'd show up, and they sent him home. Then he showed up again, and they suspended him for a week. Then he showed up again, and he got arrested. And now, a couple of days ago, I heard that he has been suspended. Get this for the entire school year through June of next year. So how can they have an obligation wow. to educate the kids and then punish the kid for wanting to learn by telling them he can't learn?
3: Yeah, it's a bad thing to want to go to school, I guess, nowadays, right? Uh, any other year would be a great thing if the, if the kid were trying to show up to school. But, yeah, it just shows you what kind of a strange time that we're in. And I think the, the obvious solution here is to... Let the money follow the child. I mean, we do this with so many other taxpayer-funded initiatives, right? We do this with Pell Grants, with mm-hmm. pre k programs, food stamps, any other program where we're spending taxpayer funding. The funding goes to the person, not the institution. You, you have a choice in the matter. And so, if your if your school if that school doesn't want to take that kid, uh, he should be able to take his education dollars to a private school, or charter school, or some type of homeschool homeschool setting. If, if you yeah. don't want to educate my child, why, why can't I take them someone, somewhere else and um, somewhere else with that that'll greet them with open arms?
2: Yeah, that's hundred percent true. But here's a, the, the reality of it: is most people are tuned out and don't know what's going on. The people are p- p- paying attention. Too many of them are on the left, and they're just saying whatever happens, I believe it. If that's what my guy says, I follow it. So this is going to be an uphill battle. So what? How do we? I mean, you work in this space. So how do we even get that to come to fruition?
3: Well, I, I think pointing out those logical inconsistencies is is, is key here uh, in the long run. On the left, a lot of people do support uh, Pell grants at the higher education level and pre-K programs at the pre-K level, and those those situations the, the money follows the person, and the and the family has a choice whether you pick a public or private institution to attend. Um, and and so, and it's it's really strange that people on the left will generally uh, not support K through 12 funding following the child instead of the institution. So there's gotta be a reason for that. And I think it's the only the only reason that I've ever been able to come up with is that at the K through 12 education level, the norm is not choice. The norm is that a special interest gets your money regardless of, of how well they meet your needs. Uh, so that, and then also there are private school choice programs that exist in about half of the United States and then also in the District of Columbia um so I think that's that's the way to, to push for this, to push for things like voucher programs or education savings accounts at the state level. There is some uh there are five bills in Congress though pushing for having the funding follow the child. For example, Rand Paul from Kentucky has the School Act that he introduced that would reallocate existing all uh nearly all existing federal education dollars from institutions to children and the families would be able to pick where, where that money went.
2: Well. I hope they are able to push some of them through. I have one small pushback on school choice, and it's not because I don't support it because I'm 100 percent supportive of it. But I want to bring up our last topic to lead me into it. So Trump's executive order on patriotic education, uh, starting the commission and uh, allocating dollars. dollars. What, what What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, the, I, I think all of his thoughts on school choice are right. Um, he makes great arguments for school choice, um, which is great. And then he also, you know, his executive order uh, pretty recently was about uh, a commission on patriotic education. I think he mm-hmm. calls it the 1776 Commission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he's just using the bully pulpit, I think it, that, that there's no problem with that. Um, but if he's calling for a national curriculum, which I don't think he is actually calling for, um, I, I, I wouldn't be for any federal um, curriculum, even if I did agree with the contents of the curriculum. I think most accountability doesn't come from the top down. It comes from the bottom up. And so I think, you know, when, when he pushes for school choice, he essentially um, – school choice would fix that the other problem of what's involved in the curriculum because then people could vote with their feet to the schools that are not, um, you know, pushing indoctrination on their children.
2: And that's why this is a perfect – Back and forth interview because you have been great. You're succinct, which gives me a chance to talk about other things. And then you set me up so well. See, you just brought me to the one issue. I It's not even an issue because I, again, 100% agree with school choice. But mostly from the political side because you're in it and you're fighting to make it happen. So not necessarily you. But I yell at conservative politicians all the time and say, you spend all your time talking about school choice, which is fine because it's important. But you have your blinders on and you don't see what's going on in the world because I'm a culture guy. And while you're looking down trying to win this fight, when you win, you're going to look up and realize that all of the schools have moved to the left. So you can vote with your feet. But if we don't pay attention to what these schools kids are doing, I mean, these schools are doing to our kids, And 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 where education is going as a whole, and where the culture is going as a whole, it won't make much of a difference because you're going to send your kid to a fancier, cleaner, nicer private school with the same. That's also an indoctrination camp, right? So like all these public schools, all the unions talking about pushing this toxic 1619 project. You don't think any of these private schools are going to pick up 1619? It'll be fewer. Oh yeah, they
3: probably they probably they probably will. But that's you know at least in that scenario. It, it's it's based on the choice of the individual family, and if, if the family's paying, you know, paying for that, they should say, you know, what, no way. They should look into that, and if they're not looking into that now, they absolutely should pressure their schools to to listen to them. And the, I think the best way to pressure your school to listen to you is to 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 walk, you know, to 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 vote <laughs> with your feet to another institution. And then also, I mean, the, you know, when we think about this and think about the available private schools that exist today. That might be different in a in a situation where we have school choice, because then there would be more demand for private schooling overall, and we might have you know more private schools open up that are not you know uh, so much leaning towards the left. You might see more conservative uh, institutions pop up if conservatives are leave, start leaving the public school system and now can take their children's education dollars to another place.
2: I get it. So you're saying that that's probably a problem, but the solution would be competition, right?
3: Yeah, competition
2: and then also market entry. Right. Oh, right, right. I got you. Okay. So I hope you're right. I just see things going so... so sideways that, uh, I mean, it's not a knock on the school choice thing. It's definitely important. But I, I when I hear, I just kind of, whenever I hear Republicans uh, specifically talking about uh, what's going on in education, I'm like, man, do you see what these people are teaching? Where do you see this? They just say, school choice. I'm like, well, what are the kids going to do that can't, don't have choice? No, or you know how you people win, love or, a
1: simple, simple fix. Everybody right, wants a pop pill.
2: Yeah, until you win that fight or for the kids that don't make it, we still have to fight for the kids who don't end up going into those private schools. It's, it's my only concern, but I mean, it doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't be doing that hard work. So you want to tell the people uh, what you're working on, or what your next article's about, or, or some other, give them some other crazy education story?
3: Yeah, yeah. my latest article is with Christos Macritus uh, from MIT, and I think he's also affiliated with Harvard. Uh, we did a study linking teachers' union influence to school reopening decisions. So we all kind of know that teachers' unions have something to do with the the school reopening plans, but we actually got all the data points from Education Week and linked it to a ton of county-level demographic characteristics. And so even after controlling for tons of different characteristics in the location, school districts with stronger teachers' unions in the the surrounding area are much less likely to reopen in person uh, based on four different measures of teachers' union influence. And but we also found in the same study that the reopening decisions were not statistically related to COVID risk as measured by cases per capita or deaths per capita in the area.
2: Of course, it seems to be
3: more about politics and power than safety.
2: Of course it is. He is Corey DeAngelis, Director of School Choice at Reason Foundation. Thank you for joining us. And coming up, we will talk about the culture and BLM with Eric Metaxas. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer.
0: Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312-642-5600.
2: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. And one of my favorite authors released a new book back in August and was gracious enough to squeeze me into his schedule this week. He is Eric Metaxas, nationally syndicated radio host and author of several great books, including the biographies of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Martin Luther, and William Wilberforce. He is a noted evangelical Christian who openly supports Trump. In addition to great nonfiction, he has written dozens of children's books, and recently he merged these two talents and created Donald the Caveman uh, book series. There's Donald Drains the Swamp, Donald Builds a Wall, and the latest book, Donald and the Fake News. (laughs) I recorded the interview, uh, but my audio was kind of messed up, so I'm going to ask the questions and then set up his um, questions and let you hear his responses. In the first clip, I asked Eric for his opinion of BLM, and here is his response.
4: My case is if you actually care about black communities, you have an obligation to stand against Black Lives Matter because those people do not care. They pretend to care. They're very good at pretending to care, but they don't care. If you want action, uh, you need to step away from them and stop being fooled. But I tell you, you know, speaking as a white evangelical, a lot of white evangelicals have been badly fooled because they're not used to this level of cynicism. They think as soon as somebody's talking about racial matters, they've got to get on board. You know, they don't want to be perceived as as racist. And I think to myself, I don't know anybody who loves Jesus who doesn't take the issue of race seriously? I mean, you know, I wrote a book about William Wilberforce. Because of his faith, he led the battle against the slave trade in the British Empire because of his Christian faith. Why did the civil rights movement happen in this country? Because of people of faith that came out of the churches. So the idea that, uh, you know, Christians don't care about this and they need this Marxist organization, Black Lives Matter, to lead the way, you know, on the one hand, it's a joke. On the other hand, it is, it is really evil because they are not representing uh, the people they claim to represent. The, the people who founded it are trained Marxists. They've said so. They care about power. They care about undoing uh, a lot of the good that has been done. They care about destroying a lot of the good that has been done. I mean, everybody can agree we've got a ways to go. But my goodness, when you start saying that, uh, every white person is systemically racist and you go on and on. I, I think you're, you're missing something. You're really missing something and you're, you're, you're doing damage. So I've gone out of my way recently to speak out against them because I know so many people have been fooled into going along with them, giving them money. And it's to, to my mind, it's actually, it's tragic.
2: Well, kudos to him. Uh, he said that, uh, He's been recently kind of ramping up his, uh, you know, fight against them, and you know that's kind of my thing. Everyone knows that I spend so much time decrying BLM, and I'm working on a book exposing what they really believe. They and the sixteen nineteen project stuff, and you will be. Even I was surprised as much as I follow what they do. You will be absolutely floored by what they believe and what they want to do. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to start leaking a little hints along the way. But it's like it's on the Internet, but you have to know it's there to find it. And that's kind of the problem. But I I, I told that to him and he was like, okay, Um, And I said, but I my next question to him was, but I think that I talk about them because they're the most immediate threat to the country. But they're really just an offshoot of the bigger threat, right? The bigger threat is the cultural shift that I've always been talking about. And BLM is just a simple, a, a symptom of that problem. And I wonder why too many people sit, sit on the sideline and do nothing. And how especially conservatives don't say anything and wanted his opinion of that. And this is what he said.
4: Listen, uh, you and I are are singing the same song. I myself have been saying the same thing. As what you're saying, it's about the culture that has been shifting and people. Yeah, they're they're focused on what's right in front of them. And they don't understand that in our schools, in our TV programming, in movies, messages are being sent by people who really are fundamentally anti-American. In other words, this is the country that that abolished Slavery. Okay, you know, hundreds of thousands of white boys died to abolish slavery. We can we not celebrate that? That that was a good thing. That that was a noble moment. Anybody who just wants to attack and attack and attack and say that this country is evil, 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 the 1619 project, and so on and so forth. That there's something sick about that to me. Mm -hmm. There's something sick about the advances that have been made to say, oh, they're nothing. They're absolutely nothing. Let's just focus on how bad we are and how much farther we have to go. And I think, wait a second, that is that is not healthy. If you have a kid who has a problem and you're able to work with that kid toward resolving that, you need to celebrate the progress. You, you don't only focus on, hey, we're not going to celebrate any progress until you are 100%. There, there's just something sick about that. And that's kind of where the anti-American left has gone. They do not want to admit any positive thing about this country. And you have to ask yourself, why are people from around the world clamoring to come to this country? Because they don't have any of the freedoms we have here.
2: There again, more spot on talk about this uh, culture. And and, and again, that's also worse. He he called them the anti-American left. And he's right. And you will hear some Republicans and conservatives who speak out about that and say that's the case. But when they are attacked by the left and say that it's right wing propaganda, they just kind of fold. When you find the, their own words and the fact that they are proud of it when you ask them, it it amazes you. And that's some of the things that I found. And it's not just that one person saying that we are trained Marxists. It is it is a whole Movement and it's deliberate, and um, unless people start to wake up uh, and find out what's going on, they're going to be in trouble. My key for the book is to target those people who are, you know, kind of like in the middle, non political, benevolent, you know, corporations, white liberals. It's like, well, you know, Black Lives Matter sounds like a good slogan. I saw a guy get killed. I think it's bad. Here's some money. You want to try to guilt them out of doing that, and then we can move forward and deal with the problem because we'll, we'll, um, kind of weaken um, the, the strength and the momentum that they have but uh, coming up we have more with Eric we will uh, continue that discussion you're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560 The Answer
0: You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson get on the line with Sean by calling 312 312- Six four two fifty six hundred.
2: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. This is Charles Love. And if you're just joining us, we are listening to the interview I did earlier this week with nationally syndicated radio host and author Eric Metaxas. We were discussing the culture, and I asked him. In this segment about Christians being more concerned about Trump's tweets and his past behavior than a party whose views are antithetical to their core beliefs. I also referenced his book, If You Can Keep It, and asked if he thought things had shifted too far to keep the republic. Here is Eric's response.
4: Well, listen, if you're if you're serious about your Christian faith, we're commanded by God to have hope and we are commanded to fight for what is right. Whether we win or lose, that's in God's hands. The battle belongs to the Lord. Our job is to fight, to speak truth, and to hope and pray. And I really mean it when I say pray, because we're in a spiritual battle. Christians have often been deceived in history. I don't need to tell you. You're a black man. You understand that there are many Christians that did not get the slavery issue. And today we act like, Oh, what idiots? How could they not get that? Well, let me tell you something. There will always be people that are Christians who are missing something. And sometimes it's something big, uh, as it was uh, with the slave issue. But we also have to remember that there is always a handful of Christians that get that issue and that they are the leaders. The leaders in the abolitionist movement in America and in Great Britain were evangelical, born-again Serious Christians, not just churchgoers, but the people who loved Jesus and who read their Bible and who lived out their faith in the way that the typical churchgoer would never do. Those were the people in the vanguard. And it's always going to be like that. In Germany, uh, in my book about um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I talk about how the church was asleep. Here you have Nazis, which in many ways, ironically, it's like the Marxists today taking over the church. And the church is like, come on in. Just don't bother us. Just let us do our little church thing. But we'll, we'll use some of your language. We'll hang mm-hmm. up some Nazi flags. We'll hang up some BLM flags. We'll hang up some rainbow flags. Like, we'll just do whatever because our values, you know, we don't want to impose our values on you. Meanwhile, their job as the body of Christ is to discern that these things are not of God, if somebody wants to say, this is my view of sexuality, it's like, that's fine for you. But you can't say that's the Christian view of sexuality. You can't force churches to accept that. If you want to move with a, a Antifa or, or BLM, and you want to move with the cultural Marxist, that's fine. Go ahead. But don't pretend that that is something that can work inside the church. Right. Or well, they well, spin the word to say that that's what it's saying. To, well, that's say, No, I'm, that's, I'm a pastor, oh, and this yes. is what I learned. I'm going to teach you from the
2: pulpit that this yeah. is what this really means. So we get that's to right. pick and choose which, which scriptures we believe, or we get to twist them. And that's, that's even what, worse. It's coming from the head.
4: That's that's the point is that, you know, Christians, if, if they really have good pastors that are looking at the situation, they, they can learn what is happening. But right around the country today, and it happened in the 1930s when Hitler came in, most of the churches didn't get it, and they figured, you know what? If we just – let's keep our mouths shut. Let's play the game. We don't want to get in trouble. We don't want the Nazis to single us out. That We don't want them to pick at our church, that we hate the country. So we're just going to go along with it. If you go along with Black Lives Matter, if you go along with uh, 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 any number of things – we have to remember, first of all, that Black Lives Matter and Antifa, these are Marxist organizations which are, by definition, atheist. So they don't even have a reason to believe that the races are equal or that racism is wrong. They don't. If, if you don't believe in God, tell me where you even get the idea that racism is wrong, that anything right. is wrong. It's all you believe in is power. Mm-hmm. And so they have duped people. They did it in the German church in the 30s. And the German church did not wake up. And we saw what happened right now. We're facing the same thing. But I believe in America, we have the ability. We should have the ability because of our own history of religious liberty to see what is happening and for the church to rise up and to fight it. But you need courage in this day and age. We need people of courage to speak up, to condemn these things and to say, I don't care if you call me a racist or you call me an Uncle Tom or you call me, or you can call me whatever you want. I answer to God, and God tells me that anything that is uh, in its background, atheist, anything that uses bullying tactics and violence, that is not of God. Dr. King. Uh, did not loot and smash things, and he did not exhort his people to do those things. And he told them, if you're not willing to turn the other cheek, get off the bus, because we are about nonviolent resistance uh, in the name of Jesus. We want people to see Jesus when they look at us. And people across America saw those uh, images on their TV screens, and they said, wow, look at that. That is the, the, these people. There's a dignity there. There's something going on there that we didn't know about, you know. And the, the bullies are the people with the police hoses, right? The the, right. the the and 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 that's to my mind what makes this so clear is that the movement that is happening right now it is designed to destroy and to tear down. And if people of faith do not at least try to see it and stand up against it, You know we're gonna go down a dark path. So I have a lot of hope. The reason I wrote my book, If You Can Keep It, is because I said, we've forgotten these things. And I put all of that stuff in my book. It's a short book, it's easy to read, there's some fun stories in there. But I said, this is the stuff that, if everybody knew this in high school, uh, you would have a different country right now. But we stopped teaching these things. And when you don't teach the basics of what this country is, who we are as a people, why Lincoln, was the most patriotic American imaginable? I had no idea uh, until I did the research for this book. And so there's a chapter on Lincoln, and it, it really is a beautiful thing. It makes you see America in a different light. That this country has existed for others. That so we're to be like a, a shining city on a hill, in in Jesus's words, that the world is supposed to look to us and say, "Look at that! They have freedom. They are they're 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 flourishing." And and a large part of that comes from people of faith, living out their Christian faith. That is who we have been as a people. We don't force faith. We have religious liberty. It's totally optional. And yet, when it's optional, people are able to do it freely. They're not forced. If you're forced, then you're just going to go through the motions. So, obviously, uh, you know, I know we don't have any more time, but I got to tell you, uh, Charles, I'm thrilled that you are speaking about this because there's so many in this country that they mean well i know they mean well but they have misunderstood this
2: and there you have it and uh really quickly i didn't want to leave him he said we were out of time without a, saying thank you and and saying one and letting him given him an opportunity to talk about his book of course that's why he was on and this is the last segment
4: in oh man uh, listen <laughs> that's that is very funny i yeah i wrote three humor books one is called donald drains a swamp one is called Donald Builds the Wall, and the other one is called Donald and the Fake News. They're about a caveman named Donald. I think we can guess who we're talking about. And he, uh, in these books, using humor, it looked, they look like kids' books, and you can use them for kids' books. But they explain the basics of what does it mean to take your government back? What does it mean to have a voice uh, what is the difference between a republic and a monarchy or tyranny? What, what is fake news? Why would somebody use fake news uh, or lie? Uh, well, it's to get power. And and you see these things over and over. Why would we build a wall? Well, because every country has to know who is coming in. And are they going to help us? Are they going to hurt us? Are they going to steal jobs from our, our people uh, in the urban communities we can't just have no borders. In other words, these are things that they're basic, but we need to teach them to our kids. We need to remind ourselves of them uh, through humor. So this is the Donald, the caveman series that I wrote. I've written a lot of different things, but that's, that's pure humor. And if people just find my name, Eric Metaxas, uh, they can, they can find those books. But I think we do need to laugh because, you know, we're talking real serious right now, but I think at the end of the day, uh, we need to be able to laugh and celebrate the good things that are happening. Well, I
2: appreciate you and your love of America, and I hope that you keep writing. People follow you and find out what the caveman will do next, and uh, we'll be watching out for what you do. And I really appreciate your
4: time. Well, Charles, love, I appreciate what you're doing. God bless you, and thank you for for having me on today. That's there he cool. is.
2: Yeah, that was a really great interview, and uh wish I had him for more time. I could have gotten into some of the other books and some Bonhoeffer and some other stuff. But, you know, I always talk about that fake news stuff, and, you know, it's it's really bad the way they do it it's not just that they lie a lie by omission yeah. the bait and switch is the hardest part the headline switch where the the body of the uh, article says something different and we just got to pay attention and push back and eric metaxas does a great job of that uh coming up we have uh, the second hour patrick brutus we're going to talk about uh, rbg and some other things you're listening to the liberty hour am 560 the answer
0: you're listening to the liberty hour with sean thompson Get on the line with Sean by calling
2: 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. I think this is the second hour, so this is where we yeah. take a break to say, do not get on the line with Sean.
1: Yes, don't get on the line with Sean. If you don't. want to do that, you can do it on weekday afternoons, but not so
2: You can call him, or you can call him at hold on, let me get his number. Or you can call you us can tonight. Call no, but if they want to call,
1: Sean. oh on, yeah, give out his, his home numbers. number. It's a good call. Call Sean at. Uh, well, I don't
2: have time. We'll talk just tweet, I'm it. I'm, I'm we'll tweet it. Sorry, I'm live. we tweet it. Yeah, right. Or the next segment. <laughs> so here we are going to talk about our tale of two cities segment with our frustrated Democrat Patrick Brutus. I got to get you what's a Patrick theme
1: song. Hey Charles,
5: what's going on, man? Happy <laughs> you, Sunday, you, happy Sunday.
2: Thank you. You don't have any Dickens to play over there, at Macbeth. <laughs> what country do you come from, sir? No, I don't. I thought that right. had a theme song for me tonight. Yeah, I thought he was gonna play some Charles. I D- was just read Dickens. It was the best of times. Yeah, that's what I thought it was the- So it was I don't do me. music. So I had a really great guest at the top of the last hour talking to Corey about education. You know, I'm passionate about education, so mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to start with the top news. And I know you usually come in guns blazing, like, "Let me tell you what happened in Chicago." But uh, you don't mind talking about something else, right? You got a wide um Brett. No, let's,
5: R- let's go with it. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about oh, Rbg. Yes. yes, amazing So what are your
2: thoughts on the madness that ensued?
5: Man, I tell you, Charles, uh this has been an exciting and when I say exciting. <laughs> exciting to the radio yeah I, I, and I want to like maybe put a, a disclaimer on exciting right because you know people will think it's otherwise you'll sound like somebody excited.
1: else on this team yeah uh, I'm gonna yeah. try like hell not to make any horrifically offensive <laughs> comments accidentally this week that would be it, it's, it's
5: exciting it's exciting it's exciting because of all the euphoria that's being celebrated around her legacy, her life, her career, and then at the same time all of the the um, the blocking and obstruction that is being bandied about by Democrats and lefties in regards to Trump not, uh, they want him not to make a pick, a selection of nominee, mm-hmm. and, you know, they they want him to somehow honor her wishes. And this process <laughs> is exciting, right? And it's only been a couple of days, right. and it's exciting to me to watch this whole thing unfold because, you know, I, I actually believe that Trump should nominate somebody as soon as he wants to, right? Mm. And that is what his job is to do. Same thing, and and right. you know, Charles, I'm sure you guys will discuss this, you know, after I'm gone or whatever. But we like, don't discuss anything
1: the, when you're not here. No, we hate each <laughs> other. Actually, we don't speak.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but go on. It's
5: I'm like, sorry. It's, a, it's called dead silent radio. After I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, Where's Patrick? The, every, every
2: once in a while, we say, "Where's Patrick?"
5: Yeah, the oh. comparisons to the Obama and Garland situation. Obama actually nominated Garland. So, like, he did his constitutional job. He did what he was supposed to do. He he nominated someone to the SCOTUS, and he did his job. Like, after the president nominates, that's, that's you know, it's out of his control. And so I well, think we're here again at the same juncture.
2: Right, so you use the exciting. word... Exciting was the word, right? That was your word. Let's find it. Was yeah. fire. We're playing word association. My word. my word was insane. I could yeah, do it. Uh,
5: that, that I could do it. That, that works too.
2: So you know, I'm sitting because every free moment I have is is writing this book I keep talking about because it's so important. <laughs> and so that's what I was doing. My wife comes in. and It's like it's going to get crazy. I said, "What do you mean?" She said, uh, "Rb Jesus died." So I said, "I'm not going to do it." So I looked for a moment. I read a couple tweets. I saw how insane everyone was, and I said, "I'm not going to do it." It's amazing that I can do. I know enough about the news to do this segment with how right. insane that was. But I didn't do the social media after I saw a couple crazy things. And see, my thing was it's insanity all around, right? So, okay, yeah. obviously the extreme is the left, but even the Republicans, and I get why they're doing it. So it's not that I don't understand it. I just like. And truly, like I say, I'm a solutions guy, but I'm also trying to be no one's perfect. You know, you, you try to be like God. It doesn't make you God, but you try to do the right thing. Right. Right. And so for me, it's important to be as honest as I possibly can. So I, I, I got so much, I got a headache in the back of my head because I was rolling my eyes too hard. That's when I knew mm-hmm. I needed to turn, put the social media down. For me, it was the Republicans, I didn't agree with anything she said, but she was the greatest, kindest woman I ever met. She was perfect, and she never did anything wrong. Yeah, I, I, I am crying. I it, am sir. doubled over in tears yeah. because she died. Cause, and you know, I'm just at a loss. I'm 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 hyper lady because an 87 year old woman died. It's so
1: phony. Now, that's not unprecedented, though. It's so phony, It mirrors, it perfectly mirrors the amount of animosity shown by the left when Scalia died. No, 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 it doesn't. It's It's literally just a negative of it.
2: Gentlemen, hear me out. Yes, we got the negative. You got the negative with her. So, yes, but if you want to say apples to apples, you need to find me all the elected Democrats telling me how wonderful Scalia was. Well, that's why
1: I said it was a negative. Exactly. The Democrats were talking about how horrible of a person (laughs) Scalia was.
2: that's why, that's why I could not do it. It was like, I loved everything about her. She was the most amazing person I ever met. I Sometimes I would just cook muffins and take them to her house, even though I don't know her and don't know where she lives. I was like, oh, my God, stop. And then some of them, 40 seconds, three tweets later, was like, look, we got to we got to replace this broad. Ooh, I can't wait to get her. I'm so glad she's gone because you were being phony. I could not take it. I expected the left to lose their marbles over it. But I just couldn't take that. So, but but to your point about what he should do, you're right about everything you said, you're right about the fact that Obama did it. But both sides, but then there's all the hypocrisy stuff. Right? You know, I got a clip, right. here's, here's an article where Mitch McConnell said this in 1842. Here's where this, but they only, But I'm all about honesty and fairness. Sure, it's political. It's not even hypocrisy. It's political. Sure, you can find all type of Republicans that did that on one side, right? Fair, totally fair Mm -hmm. to bring that out Mm -hmm. if you're on the left. But if you want to be honest, I'm gonna need you to play the clips of Obama saying he should do it. I'm gonna need you when you say you can't do this in 45 days. I need you to tell me how many days it took to confirm R.B.G. Don't leave it yeah. out, right? I believe that it was forty-two.
1: 42 wasn't yeah, it? Or am I that, wrong? Yeah,
2: 42, I think they yep, beat it. Yep. I think they beat it. So, and then, here's the other thing that's funny about that: who said anything about confirming in forty-five days? Because that's when the election is. If he nominates and there's an election and he loses, right? It doesn't mean it's, right. the senators aren't still senators. You know, thing right. here it's like madness. What they home. say. It's like we get to write schoolyard well, rules. When does whoever's the congressional home?
1: term end? The congressional term ends what the second week of December. No, they in it before the president. No. I think
2: January third or fourth or something like that. Yeah, okay.
5: yeah. They all get sworn in on the same day. So there's a new right. Congress that's coming in January. Yeah, the Congress. Yeah, so this term January, ends, the, the second week 20. of
1: December. Right, right. right.
5: So yeah. Here's, so. the, here's the thing the Re- the republic the Republicans have all the power here. They have all the power, and and to everything you just said, Charles, at the base root of it is who has the power. Right now, the Republicans have the power because Trump is going to nominate and then Mitch is going to move quickly. Oh, he's and going to do the it. There will be a hearing.
2: Now, the question is, what no, there will there will be a hearing. Yeah, what the three will do. Will How many Susan Collins will
5: you have? Well, yeah, will you lose wild, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney
2: and Lisa Murkowski?
5: No, but here, here's the deal. They can they can get this thing passed out of committee. They have like the seats on the Judiciary Committee and how oh, yeah. long they want to have a hearing because that's up to uh, that's going to be up to Mitch. Uh, sorry, it's going to be up to Lindsey McConnell. Right. How many witnesses, how long they want to do it. And if you see, the if you see that them set up like, OK, we're going to have like seven hours of testimony and then they start to shorten the 20 minutes or 10 minutes per questioner then you can see they're going to try to rush this through so that, like they have been saying today. Yeah,
2: you're all right about that, that but what about the vote? It. But what right. about the vote? What about Collins, Murkowski, and, and, and Mitt Romney? Well, Ramy? they'll
5: get 50. They will get 50. Romney is not in the camp, and Murkowski probably will not vote. But they have. So you say if they lose they they all three,
1: then, then then Mike Pence is now, co- It could be as simple <laughs> as guys just not showing up. Mike Pence, Mike Pence up, will
5: though. be coming down. No, look, hey, there's no McCain. Kay. There's no more McCain right now to come in you know from his. What did people bed? do there's in Chicago?
2: Sick. by the way, what did people do in Chicago when she when they when they heard the news? They I know it sounds cried. like a, look it sounds like a crazy question because it's New York they started rioting They all cried they no, no, we, all broke, we, she, we punched people and broke stuff like like you know we won the Super Bowl yeah. or something
5: well, they haven't rioted about her death yet, so I'm waiting to see who they nominate, and how long it takes. And then we'll see the riots, probably. So know, I've been ignoring this. Hat. Like I
2: said, can you all confirm this? Did, um, did he say that he was going to do a woman? I'm sorry, pick a well, woman took, for the court, not do a woman. Phrase that. I'm sorry, I, yes. I,
5: I think he, he indicated very strongly that he's going to pick a woman because he took a poll last night at his rally in North Carolina. He said, how about a woman? Do you think I should pick a woman? I'm going to pick a woman. So he's been indicating that he's going to pick huh. a woman. So and, he swore and, you under you know, the oath this,
2: of the rally.
1: <laughs> where he's most honest well, he to be fair true, he,
5: he, he took a poll and the crowd responded more favorably for the woman's uh, suggestion so God I don't get these people
2: who cares I don't understand why you people care I'm going to say this live on the air I don't care understand why you people care what gender or race somebody is so if you're on the left you're like we well, you want a black man and then he puts another Claire Thomas on there and he black I mean it's silly yeah, but, but who cares do well, job. don't care about this
5: kind of stuff. And, well, you know, people that's are why stupid. It. Hold
2: it there. We'll we'll get on to yep. more, more information and more stuff. On the other side with Patrick, you're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer.
0: This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560, The Answer. Everybody knows that the days are loaded.
2: Welcome back Everybody. to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here with Patrick Brutus, our frustrated Democrat. Patrick, so Yes, that's me. Before I get into what's going on, what's uh new and exciting in Chicago there, um you know, last week you told the listeners about our podcast, The Black Table, and uh, you know, it was there's on Thursday and we did a show on Thursday and we did it a little differently where everybody got to ask some questions and you were asking about uh the Democrats and what happened to the diversity they had and and yeah. and w- yeah. you know why is uh Joe quit, right? you asked why Joe Biden was the 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 head of the party no, I mean, and it's time for a change. So you really came out as the frustrated guy and I want to play a segment of uh what you said here.
5: No one is showing me that they want to win this campaign. It's pandering at all levels. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. And as a frustrated Democrat, I have very limited options now.
2: Well, there you go. Um, So (laughs) 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 expand on that. Why is there uh, so so much an issue on that side with the, delivering a clear message about what they want to do, even if you don't, for those of us who don't agree with them, because they don't talk about any messaging. All they say is, you know, orange man bad.
5: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, thanks for playing that clip. It's very humbling to be reminded of your own words. <laughs> so, but well, here's the thing. and This, you know, again, I am very strongly not happy with the nominee, the process, nor the prospects, okay? And Joe Biden is a terrible candidate. He is a a candidate that immediately reminds me of Hillary and the Obama legacy that overwhelmingly was repudiated by the 300 plus electoral result of the Trump victory in 2016. So for Democrats to go back thinking that this is some kind of stuff that Democratic voters themselves want is just ridiculous. It is counterintuitive to, to put up a candidate like Joe. He is another retread of, you know, an old retread uh, with no policy. And you're right. The only DNC platform that we have that is substantive and repeatable is Orange Man Bad. Orange Man Bad. Orange Man Bad. Where's the policy? They totally forgot about health care. They're not talking about, you know, uh, the Middle East policy. They're not Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, immigration anymore. They're not talking about any of the core issues that they believed were core to the base just four years ago. And well, they have tried to convince us that Trump has not addressed these issues. But guess who else hasn't addressed those issues? The Democrats.
2: Well, part of your your question was uh, if they wanted to win and you and one of the other ones. Well, obviously, I played yours and someone else said, I don't think they want to yeah. win. And I kind of I took issue with that. And uh, I had a response. And yeah, I, 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 I and I said what the culprit was. And let's play that clip.
1: Well, let's try.
2: B- bleh, bleh, let's try bleh. again. I disagree with Kay and Patrick. Of course they want to win. If, if for nothing else, they want the power. So yeah, they want to, want to win. The problem is they think Blantifa and TDS and is enough, right? They think if Blantifa keeps running around burning up cities and, and people like Terrell can just say Trump, no matter if you ask them what do you want for breakfast, they can say Trump. That is enough. That's all they need. They don't need to knock on door. Trump. I don't need to have a good debate. Blantifa. Throw a Molotov cocktail. That's all I need. Blantifa is the problem. And they are Charles. The, yes,
5: Charles. Let me get this one thing. And before I, 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 know you're going to, uh, you know, f- come up with a, a <laughs> remark on this. But let me qu- let me quickly say this. And so, yes, of course, obviously, they want to win, or at least they're pretending that they want to win. Hey, but Z, you said pretending believe, again. I, I honestly believe, and I, I, maybe someone can shake me off this in the next forty-two days. But here's what I honestly believe. I believe they are willing to concede the presidency, but trying to win the Congress because there is money to be made in gridlock. That's how Washington D.C. works, and I think that they've decided that the best thing that they can do right now is to stop the president from, you know, um, overhauling America with his agenda, with his philosophy, and you know, with with his you know quasi-conservative views. Yeah, making it all American. Right, right, exactly, which is, you know, totally unforgivable, right? I mean, why should America be about America? Um,
2: but, but even if but that's the I, case, I that would happen. be lower yeah. on the rung. The, the, the people at the top, you, you're Biden and Kamala, they have the ego issue, so they still want to win because they want to be in the seat. They want to sit in the seat and spin around and go, Wee.
5: You know, Kamala knows she's not ready for this. Kamala knows she's not ready. That's why she dropped out. She's not primetime, but she knows that this lot She dropped out because the people stephanie. didn't like
4: her. Because the people well, found out she wasn't black.
2: Yeah, she's that's true. But that doesn't mean time. she doesn't want it. It just means she's not ready. I don't think she, she, she knows that she's not ready from the standpoint of the votes. But oh, in her mind, she's ready.
5: So. Well, they all think they're ready. That's why they're yeah. there. But they're exactly. not ready. They know they're not ready. Like Obama <laughs> knew he wasn't ready. But Obama right. had nowhere else to go after the convention speech. He had to run. But he knew he wasn't ready. But he ran to raise money to raise his profile. And just like Trump, he, he accidentally won. Okay?
2: Right. Yeah. He
5: accidentally so, won. He so was a get, phenom, much like Trump is today. So, so, End of so story. let's
2: get to the madness that's going on. I, I want to go first. So here right. in New York, uh, it's is weird. we, we, we talked earlier about RBG, and if you're wondering why RBG, how if you want to know an example of how big that story was, is that all the news you saw was RBG. And at the same time, there was a mass shooting in Rochester. You know, It got all the coverage when they were sticking their fingers in people's food and saying Black Lives Matter. But it was a backyard party with 100 people, 16 people got shot, two of them got killed. Yeah. Yeah. All I heard was RBG, same night. Uh, We had another one of about four or five people. And then the best here is a subway train derailed after a saboteur put metal clamps on the tracks. And this uh-huh. is after a couple about a month and a half ago, the 7 train had to go out of commission because they were breaking the windows every night. They never could catch, even in the most cambered city in the, in the country, they couldn't find the guy. And he uh, did more than a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of damages, and they ran out of windows to replace it. You know, that, wow. oh, and a cabbie wow. got shot over 10 bucks. But other than that, we're good. What about you? Uh, I think the window maker probably was an
5: American manufacturer. Um, that's probably why they <laughs> did it. Um, so... Just real quick, uh, we have and we have a few minutes left here, but uh, UIC nurses uh, went on strike this week with the support of SCIU Local 73. We had over a thousand people out there, 800 nurses, 4,000 SCIU union members striking during a pandemic at a state-funded hospital, UIC, uh, University of Illinois Chicago, and the end result after one week, they returned to work with no deal. So that was a fake news. Right? So it was a vacation. Uh, yeah, that's, that. I mean, they didn't get what they wanted, obviously, so they're going back to work. Thank goodness, because we want our frontline health, front healthcare workers at work, right? We want them at work. Um, but they didn't win, so they're going back with their tail between their legs, and hopefully now they need to know that they need to get back to work and focus on their jobs. And the COVID spikes uh, in Illinois are up, despite the numbers uh, showing that their um, infection rate is below four, we've had 2,500 people get infected yesterday and 1,400 more today statewide. So we're up uh, after having like a streak of a 1,000 uh, per day, and and then them celebrating that they were turning the curve, but now we're back up. Yeah. Saturday was 2,500 people, and then today was 1,402
1: so I'll tell you far. what, Patrick, when and I saw those numbers, I said, I'm going to look into when they were reported, and I have not been able to find accurate information yeah. yet, so... I have a yeah. feeling they were kind of maybe shilling off or skimming some of those numbers off to report later in order to keep us under 1,000 for a certain yeah. amount of weeks. Yeah. But some of those are probably pretty <laughs> Well,
2: well, I, well I'd, like to know. Know. I, I'd like to know how that's possible. Well, they just don't you report know. the numbers. No, no not, not how what you said possible, how more people got infected. Aren't you on lockdown? Yeah, well, didn't they put a border, uh, 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 checkpoints at the border, you can't come in from other states, and nobody's in school? And well, no, people
1: have been going help. back so to Charles. church, Charles. That's not right.
5: So here's the thing, here's the parallel. So just like Trump has been saying, more tests, more positives, in Illinois now we have surpassed 5 million total tested in this state, and so we're continuing to see more positive tests. Now the question would be, will the – media treat Pritzker the same way that they're treating Trump and blaming him for Ellen uh, White's increasing numbers, much like the media blames Trump for their increasing numbers. And quickly, before we go, we've got to do our uh, our, our uh, safety report.
3: Yeah.
5: So far, we've got 36 shots this weekend and five fatalities. So um, like normal, I will predict that by tomorrow morning, we will have over 45 people. Shot and I'm going to guess about six more days.
2: But so, but at least we'll be that'll be less than the double. fifty has been. If you keep it under fifty, you know you yeah you're, you're, you're managing it we'll at least 50. in their eyes. Well, same we'll Patrick. Well, Patrick, it was great as always, we'll talk. Hey, I'll talk to you Thursday on The Black Table. I'll
5: see
2: you uh, Thursday on The Black Table. Patrick uh, Brutus there, a frustrated Democrat. Uh, coming up, I'll take your calls at 312-642-5600. Give me a call, and let's talk about all of those topics, what your opinions are on the Supreme Court, whether Trump should pick someone, and his executive order on education. Do you support it? You listen to The
0: LibriAl. No. Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at
2: 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. And uh, yeah, RBG. This is a going to be a massive uh, few days of insanity. Well, weeks probably going all the way up to the election and like I was saying before, they are drawing lines and calling people hypocrites and digging up old quotes on people, and and, and this is just the start. There's video of people sitting in a car screaming and um, just all kinds of craziness. I see. It's it's even on Twitter. It's it stands out the most because they're all your blue check people. If you notice, all these people who are journalists and celebrities and supposed to be uh, the serious people in the room are kind of losing their minds. You know, we're, we're just weeks ago. Remember the good old days uh, when 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 random strange people on the street were saying, "Give us what we want, or we'll burn everything down." Now it's the blue checks on Twitter threatening to burn everything down, and. Like I said earlier, of course it's political, but politics is politics. They're all going to do the same thing. So they're saying that the Republicans are not being honest and contradicting themselves by saying they want to put somebody on the court right away, and uh, ignoring the fact that if the, if the roles were reversed, they would do the same thing. If that and I didn't even think about this at the time. It's just kind of looking at the madness and the reactions and kind of making comments about that. But if you already, you, you, you want to think about the rage that the left is feeling. Now you have to talk, think about those who are against Trump and what they've already been doing and saying,
3: Yeah.
2: layer that on the fact that they lost one of their quote unquote icons. And, and then here's the part I forgot about, you know, it's so close to election, put that in there. And so they were already all fired up about that. they do not fired up about Joe, but the other stuff. And then the quarter was 5-4. And the whole Scalia turmoil, Republic, think about what the, the Republicans angst because they didn't want to lose that seat. They are in their mind saying, wow, we're talking about going 6-3. Yep. Right? So they Presumably, are...
1: Presumably, right? But there's always I mean, the yeah. Kennedy... Well, you think that could happen where you know you think you're getting one thing and you're not,
2: right? No, but it's not even that, right? Keep in mind, whenever that happens, it only goes one way, yeah, right? Because the risk of bringing the problem is the left wants to put somebody who's on the left on the court in general, and Republicans want to put somebody who's going to follow the Constitution on the court, right? That's the right way to do it, but the problem is. The guy who's following the Constitution as it's written won't always agree with Republicans. Right. But the person who is always going to follow the left will always follow the left.
1: Yeah, they're putting down the water they carry in order to make that ruling and then picking it back up.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, the other guys, well, I'm sorry, dude, love you. But the Constitution says this, kick rocks. Right, kick rocks, go change the law. And that's what he's supposed to do. And, you know, as conservatives, you know, I think I, I would rather live with that. But Republicans, because it's political, are like they get frustrated, obviously, because they're like, that's not what you do. It doesn't mean that the guy is not wrong sometimes, no, but the they tribalism. want somebody. Why can't we pick somebody that's going to do like their guy does? Right. But we don't want that.
1: No, I think that's actually one of the strengths of uh, of uh, conservatism in general, but also just, you know, constitutional, you know, fundamentalists. I hate that word, but that that's sort of an here. When you when you when you're making that objective call every time, you're more likely to get it right, even if it's even if it ends up with a terrible outcome. Um, Sean and I, uh, you know, he he whose name shall not be spoken. No, um, <laughs> Sean and I would have knockdown disagreements about uh, Citizens United, right? Mm-hmm. And and where he was coming from and where I, were, where I was coming from were basically the same point, but we mm-hmm. were we were applying different standards to it. So. You get that. You get that a lot where you're getting, okay. well, this is a bad outcome, but really it was the right call.
2: Right. Or sometimes it's a bad outcome and you can't stop it because I mean, I disagree with it, but based on the laws and based on the Constitution, what do you want me to do?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. And, well, and people and, don't understand that's, that. That's a strength. That's that's called integrity. I know people don't really see it very often, right? So it might be hard to recognize <laughs> here, especially in 2020. But that's a thing called integrity. It is still in the dictionary. I've checked. If you need to go back and look, Ooh. I just I don't. When was the
2: last time you checked? They change words daily on the left.
1: I I Google the word integrity at least nine times a day just to remind myself okay. that it still exists. Um, and it
2: kept coming up it's like throwing dice so far it,
1: up. so far um yeah it doesn't help you when driving but uh idiots of all other stripes um sometimes it needs right. To be pointed
2: out. right well that for me is why i mean most people aren't surprised by what the left does anyway i mean you shouldn't be not at this, at this point. point yeah but exactly. we we were joking earlier today because I, I think it was was it richard blumenthal former senator he was uh, like yes. all right because of this and this. He said nothing is off the table. I'm like, nothing. So nothing, not even nothing. lying
1: about your. Oh, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <His> service. <laughs> but nothing. When you say, what Stolen are you saying? Dollar, not off the table. When you say nothing, if, so that means, in essence, he's saying everything is on the table.
1: Looks right. Good. Let's eat.
2: Not what he, you want to eat what he's serving. So uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about what if everything is on the table, what that actually means for everything to be on the table. You are listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer.
0: You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling 312-642-5600.
2: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. And you, Macbeth, and Patrick earlier were giving me some COVID numbers in Chicago, right?
1: Yeah. Kind, well, and, kind of. He, he was giving you update on COVID, and uh, I was saying that I tried to find out when those numbers were reported rather than, uh, or when they happened, right? When there was those cases occurred as opposed to when they're being reported. Because quite often, especially like when you were, I don't remember, it was like a month and a half ago or so, everybody was talking about Florida and Texas are exploding, Florida and Texas numbers are exploding. And they say, oh, there's 12,000 new cases uh, this week. But it wasn't. They like almost half of those were lagged reporting from compilations of, of you know, uh, hospital records and late tests and things that weren't filed. On A lot of them were from April and May. So... You really have to take it with a grain of salt until you see reliable information regarding when they happened. And I don't trust, (laughs) this was my editorial part of it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't trust that they haven't been lagging some of those to sort of keep us under a threshold.
2: Well, can't to hear, wait to hear your thoughts on this one then.
1: All right. This is
2: from uh, the San Francisco Chronicle. Okay. Of Zodiac Nearly, Yeah. Nearly... (laughs) <laughs> eleven thousand people okay. have been exposed to the coronavirus on flights, the CDC says. Let mm. me give you a little bit more before you say. It. I know. Like, <sighs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has investigated sixteen hundred cases of people who flew while at risk of spreading the coronavirus, identifying nearly eleven thousand people who potentially <laughs> didn't say that in the headline were exposed to the virus on flights. But, second paragraph, though the agency says some of those travelers subsequently fell ill in the face of incomplete contact tracing information in a virus that incubates over several days, it has not been able to confirm a case, a case, confirm a case, has not been able to uh, confirm one case of transmission on, uh, I had to keep saying that, of transmission no, I got on a plane.
1: Yeah, No, I knew that was intense. So they went from
2: 11,000 to 1,600 to But this, we haven't confirmed to, one.
1: Well, see, here's but the headline.
2: The what the headline say?
1: There, there's two things that I would say in that. Right? One, if you're a germaphobe, you're probably not flying anyway. Right. Okay. If you're scared of the coronavirus, you're probably not getting on a plane at this point. So make your choice, right? Make, make your life choice. Rent a car if it really scares you. The second thing I would take away from that is I had a, uh, an airline one time and a junky little airline, too, not even a big boy. Uh, track me down at the second hotel I was at where they didn't even have that information to give me a bag that got lost in travel. Okay. You're telling me that a, that an airline that has sold people tickets and had to verify them with real IDs and, and all that um, can't tell you where one of their passengers is or even, well, the even thing- where they flew to or where they live full time. All of that information is available to the airline before you ever get to the plane.
2: Well, the first thing is you need to keep flying that airline. Uh, <laughs> that airline doesn't
1: exist anymore, my friend. That airline was Midway.
2: Ah, oh, look at that.
1: Yeah, that's and how the old second I am. thing
2: is, so you're, you're you're talking about the science and, and the numbers and the way they track stuff and all that kind of stuff. I which know is that true. makes
1: me that makes me a jerk. And,
2: no, that's yeah. true. That's one side of it. But the other side is, you know, the news and the way they bring stuff. Why put a headline up there? Do you remember earlier? Well, in the Metaxas interview, yeah, this, um, so. we were talking about this. He talked about you know Donald and the fake news, yeah. and to that I was saying to him that you know are saying that there are three ways they do it: they lie by omission, they you know they you know just flat out lie now, which they never did before. You know, uh, a lot of the them, truth.
1: A lot of times they hide behind back page retractions. Right, where well, the retraction yeah, will get you know maybe one tenth or one fifteenth the yeah, amount. Yeah, but of they got a new way. They got a, they, they don't need to do that gets. anymore. So
2: no. they, sometimes they t- tell the truth and come up with a bad uh, illogical conclusion. Right. But my favorite is where they do the bait and switch, like they did in that article. Yeah. So the example I was going to give him was Bill Barr. So Bill Barr spoke at Hillsdale on Wednesday. Yep. And I was reading a headline. Headline says it's from the AP. Barr under fire over comparison of virus lock-in to slavery. Oh! And, of course, you're all like, what was he thinking? Kind of moron says that being locked in a house is the same as being a slave. What is wrong with him? This man is the attorney general. Then you read the article. And unlike your back page, ninth, you know, day retraction you right. were talking about, yeah. unlike fifth paragraph, second line says, Barr had called the lockdown orders the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in America since slavery. Yes. So when a little did, bit different. When did sense equal compares to? Yeah. Why don't you Google that? You were Googling up definitions of words and such, looking to see if <laughs> integrity still counted. Can you? Is there some way you can find out if comparison equals sense?
1: Well, look, the, the mastery of the language, language has, has literally just fallen off a cliff, right? So that no one is actually paying attention to... Exacting language or nuance or anything like that they're going to be most people at least are going to be so tribal when hearing something you say that they've applied a meaning before you ever finish so that shouldn't surprise you but really. people
2: need to understand it and of course it it's a
1: tactic and when I was talking about the retractions, I was talking more about like viral videos right like right, here's right. the here's the video this video gets you know six million views of somebody calling Trump racist and Here's the video that shows you know whatever. Oh well, this is the video compared to what we had yesterday, and right. here's the full context, and it's got ten thousand
2: people. Oh, you're right. You know. But the pro- the fact that people don't realize they're doing this, you you see people call it clickbait on. Fake, hey,
1: fake, hey, on- hey, hey. hey, hey.
2: But we're talking about the actual big boy news, the gray lady saying such and such died, and then they have a quote from him in the article. Like gray lady
1: <laughs> has become the lady from The Room in the Shining, I think.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about an interesting issue with the Pittsburgh Steelers from last week. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer.
0: This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. Another quick two hours.
1: It's always a quick two hours.
2: Yeah, the quickest, quickest Especially with hours Patrick Brutus. Yes, yes, being so lively there. Now, is he registered as a frustrated Democrat, or is he just... <laughs> I don't know if that's a full-on category there. How, but, yeah, is that an actual <laughs> classification?
1: We're going to well, need to see some paperwork on that, Patrick. Right. Well,
2: in that, in that uh, show... Uh, we got around to my question and I thought it was interesting. It was about a story of Pittsburgh Steelers mostly interesting because I don't watch football anymore because they're all uh commies. But um <laughs>
0: <laughs> ex- I'll bet there's Bill a few capitalists
1: New- left somewhere in there. <laughs> and,
2: like, I was gonna say, except for Villa Nueva, which I'll get to in the story. But Bob Pratt's uh, still a capitalist. Right. And I was saying like, yeah, <laughs> he's not on a okay. bad He's not on soon? the field though. He's not on the field. Um you hope. and I talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers having an uh issue with uh blm and helmets and stuff uh roll that clip so the pittsburgh steelers announced that they were going to honor a young black man named antoine rose yeah black man killed by a cop and put his name on all the on all the helmets as a team right so they're going to collectively do it as the organization said it's going on everybody's helmet Mm mm-hmm so, you know, they're getting backlash, whatever. So they do it. So you get two stories from it, which is why I picked it. If it was one story, maybe not. So they get ready to do it. They don't say anything. And it's the guy who was the veteran, Alejandro Villanueva, who had done stuff before. He stood when they all took a knee. He respected them for it, but he stood. Well, this time they're all going to go out. He goes out and he covers up Antoine's name with the name of a veteran. And they were like, wow, we didn't know he was going to do that. So some of the team was like, you know, that's kind of shady. We all agreed to do this. You covered up his name. And then there's a Makarisa pawusi you know, because, you know, these crazy names. I'm assuming his name is you, – that's your team. Help me out. Marquis Palsy. Yeah, ma- 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 Mau- Maui Kaisi. Yeah, so Maui
0: Kaisi.
2: Kaisi Palsy came out uh, today or, or late last night and said that he regretted having the name on the back of his helmet, and he apologized, and he should have had some more information and looked at all the facts before because the person who would get shot was uh, id as a drive-by shooter. Uh, earlier in that day um, on the day he was shot. So I didn't know uh, particulars about this case, and I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. I'm assuming there was evidence the guy ID'd him or whatever. But the bottom line is I always talk about this, and even Terrell talked about this when we were talking about, I think, LeBron and something in the other cases. If people mistake people like me who beat up on these celebrities and these athletes and say, I thought you are, as a conservative, you were for free speech, you're a hypocrite. Of course you have free speech, everybody has free speech. The problem that they fail to realize because they are you know, emotionally weak and intellectually lazy surface thinkers is that the free speech goes both ways. So if you have free speech to say, I hate black people, I have free speech to say, then you're a racist son of a b- and I wanna punch you in the face, right? We both have free speech. Makes sense to me. <laughs> wow, that wasn't that bad, you, you beeped that? That wasn't that bad. Well, I wanted okay. I
1: want to create some buzz for your podcast. Oh yeah,
2: like I said something really raw, right. Shocking and right. controversial. Yeah. I, I, no, I nobody
1: said, nobody advocated well, never mind.
2: Really, I just said chicken. is what he I don't know why he bleeped that out. That's right. But
1: um started with a b, ended with an h, and it was pronounced chicken.
2: <laughs> yes, that's how you pronounce it. Son of a but chicken. I just think that uh I make my views on BLM clear, but I just think, you know, we we can learn a lot from Spider-Man, right? And they say with great power comes responsibility or whatever the case may be. It, it, it's true, right? You can't have 40 million uh, listeners and followers and people who follow you around and do what you say and wear your clothing right. and, and do all that and just say anything that's not true. And you talked about retractions earlier. Yeah. No one has to say anything. Like, LeBron doesn't have to say anything when he says, uh, you know, black people are all getting shot in the face. Well, every no, black like man Pelosi, has been shot in his the
1: face. No, the, the record will show his heart was in the right place.
2: But every man, black man has been shot in the face. But LeBron, you're a black man and you don't look like you've been shot. I said every black man has been shot in the face. You know, so we have to stop listening to these people. We have to tell others to stop listening to them. And, and they have an obligation to know what they're talking about. It's been fun again. The Liberty Hour with Charles and Macbeth. Thank you. Talk to you next week.
3: I have to go home. I have to go home. I have to go home. I have
2: to go home.